Different, like, you know how when you're a kid, you take what your parents say as, like, fact. It's just, like, it's the biblical truth. There's Mm -hmm. no shaking that. Until a certain age, right? Mm -hmm. Right, until a certain age. But then you find yourself, when you're older, quoting it, and then you're going, wait a minute. I never actually fact-checked that. My parents could have been wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Did you ever do that? Oh yeah. I mean, there's lots of things that in hindsight, I like, I tell a story that my dad told or, and I go, Oh well, wait, what? They're just kind of kooky old people. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not sure that's right. And then I'm there's like, sure there's up. like behaviors too, right? Like my neighbor is old, really old. The guy I called the cops on from a previous podcast. And, uh, he does weird things. Like technically he's correct, which is if like, I guess your tree goes over his line. He can cut it off over his fence. Like if a tree on your property goes over his fence, like you can, yeah, I don't know. You can cut it. Not even a question. Just telling you. Oh, okay. Um, and so he well, does, said, I guess he so does I that. Cause I do. It sounded like a question. I'm guessing, but I could tell immediately you weren't going to help me out. So <laughs> okay. he cuts these limbs off and he just throws them over into our backyard. And I go, I guess technically you have the right to do that, but it just seems... Wait, he can just throw them into your... I mean, if you cut them off, aren't they your responsibility at that point? I don't know. These are all... It's like... There's a lot about being a homeowner that I didn't know. Like, for instance, the way that the boards face on your fence dictate, like, courtesy. You know? Like, if you build a fence, that the polite thing to do is have the nice facing boards out and you get the beams. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's why they they call it a good neighbor fence, where it's like every other board is... Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. This sounds like a cult. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like a weird. I don't like the agreement. good neighbor fences because you can like totally see through the gaps, so oh, everybody yeah. can see what you're doing. Yeah, I, I feel like fence. I feel like I would front the money for the fence, and I would just I would have. Well, all what the- would you do at my house here? You've seen my fence. I have like this gate that's like four feet tall that you can just see everybody in the. Yeah, it is weird, but I feel like your neighborhood is tight knit, so nobody cares. Like it fits right now. Yeah. I feel like it'd just be rude if I if yeah. I put up a fence because we've kind of talked about it. I go. Wouldn't they just be like, well, that was rude. Yeah. Went from a four foot to a six foot solid fence. Well, it's interesting because I'm coming around to this idea of, you know, being a friendly neighbor because in a previous (laughs) podcast, I I determined that I was not a friendly neighbor and I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I was like uh, the North Korea of my neighborhood, right? I was the hermit. Well, if you talk to your wife, it's because you don't have time to go around to the... Well, she knows the truth. I just, okay. I don't care about people that I much. I was like, oh yeah, well, Aaron doesn't really know his neighbors. She goes, well, that's because he does. She goes, he does know about the neighbors. I was like, oh, he does? She's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I met them all and to some extent. You really make it sound like you don't know. And, and here's the weird thing is like, if they ever converse with me, I will totally be congenial and friendly and come across like a really, I'm a nice person. Well, that's nice of you. You're yeah. not a total jerk when people are being nice to you. But I was looking at another really? house because Lynn and totally, I were- yeah, big of you. Lynn and I were looking at another house to buy and we went into a neighborhood that, well, it's not really a neighborhood. It was like a dead end street that a builder just built a row of houses on. And there's one, there's one side of this street that's super nice. Like everybody is like, they have like festive wreaths in their, you know, doors and they're, they all look friendly and well-kept. And then the other side is like a bunch of rundown dumps. And one of the guys' houses had these like, don't solicit. It was more than a don't solicit sign. It was like, don't knock, don't bother me. I mean, he had some written out rules of like, he did not want to be bothered. Sounds like something you'd put on your house. His lawn was garbage. It looked kind of creepy, like a haunted Hmm. house and a hermit lived in there. And I was like, is that what I'm becoming? Dude, there's a guy in our, on our neighborhood and then our alley butts up to it. He has like, his, his front yard's atrocious. I just want. I just want to go over and mow it for him, honestly. <laughs> should. Yeah, I should, right? And and then his backyard is equally as bad, 
but it butts up against the alley. And he's, you know, he's got tons of space and he's got these, uh, briars, berries or whatever, just growing, mm-hmm. just ridiculous. And we had a new neighbor move in and I was talking to him cause he's really into cars. And so we're just talking about stuff. He's like, yeah, I tried to ask him if I could, you know, park my cars in his area because he was doing some new like cementing or something. And the neighbor's like, ah, uh, no, cause I'm getting ready to like get it all cut mm. down and made nice. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess the neighbor next to him says, he says this all the time. He's always like, I'm getting ready to, he's a natural mm. hoarder. Have you ever met him? No, nobody has. Cause he just, well, I'm sorry. Not nobody has people have, uh, his direct neighbors have, I've never met him, but I guess according to his direct neighbors, he's just this hoarder that he always uses the line. Oh, I'm, I'm about to go do that. I'm mm. going to make it really nice. I'm going to make it One really of these good days. One, yeah. yeah. And that's like classic hoarder mentality. Yeah, I, I do realize too that. So, in addition to seeing the no soliciting and like the the real hermit, like I, I'm not a real real hermit. It's clearly out of place. I go, yeah. It's also something about people taking care of their house because we have, for the most part, old old people neighbors that take good care of their lawns, and but then we had this family move in and they just kind of trash it, and you're like, oh, I do care about that actually. So please stop doing that. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing you, you can do. You know, I had somebody tell me they're like, oh man, my neighbor, they never take care of their weeds. And they're just blowing all their weeds are blowing into my yard and causing weeds to grow in my and in, in my lawn. And I was like, Oh, that's a thing. Mm, I was yeah. like, crap, I don't I don't clean the I don't I have a spider on me. That's cool. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, that's tiny. It's Halloween, that's why. It's not Halloween. Do you feel like um you guys are getting like are in, you guys Halloween's in September people? What? No, we're Halloween's in October people. What yeah, but like you know how every year it ramps up more and more. Maybe it just as you become more That's adult, Christmas. you start you're, looking you're into confusing like Halloween with Christmas. No, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of controversy this Is year there? about what? do you start like decorating and what getting news or outlet are you on? Everybody's on same as everybody else, man. Nope. There's no same way as everybody else. I don't think so. You know what? I forget. You probably are just more friends with a bunch of old people on Facebook and they're probably like, it's in October. The spider bit me. Like I can feel a bug. Oh, dude, if you need to go to the hospital, do not count me in. Cause I don't have enough gas in my car. <laughs> that's, oh, that's the reason I'm we on fumes. We could take another car. Uh, that's gonna, that was weird. Just crawl. Uh, anyway, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm really into Halloween. You're a summer, you like summer, right? Like, that's I love your, summer. Okay, so you're like hanging on until the bitter end. I, I like fall too. Also really like winter and spring's kind of fun. So, so, <laughs> so do you feel like when October hits, you're, you kind of switch over? Is that yeah, your turnover? So there's time? like a, there's like a few markers for it, right? Like when the pumpkin spice latte comes out. Which it's out? Right. Well, and I can do that, but I have to wait till September for the pumpkin spice latte. Mm. It comes out in late August. And you're like, no, bro. Not Dude, that me. is too early, man. It is too early. But you know what also bothers me is that, and I remember this when I was a kid, like, I remember it was usually like, late August where they start doing back to school commercials. Now they do them in like July. And I go, it's even a bummer for me. I'm not even in school. When I start hearing back yeah. to school in July, I'm like, dude, just let me, this year was a big year though. This year. Cause they hadn't this been, a, they hadn't been to school for like a year and a half. And then I don't know. It's for me this year. I was like, okay, um, I, I can get into a little bit, do some school shopping. And then dude, it hit me yesterday. So Evie went to school her first day of high school yesterday. And then all my kids are back to school today. And then I'm like, oh crap, here comes the busy season. Now we got soccer practice. We've got uh, music lessons, piano lessons, gym, and I got church in full throttle now. And then all of a sudden they're doing like, every- wait, church kicks in more. 
Yeah, because you know before it was like, hey, we're doing things distantly. A few people can meet. Now they're like, okay, okay, everybody can meet. But they also do like home church groups too, mm. where you get to know people more, and so you mm. meet in smaller groups. And so those are going on. So you're like, wow, just everything just got kicked up a notch. And I go, dude, we haven't done anything like that for like a year and a half. Yeah. And yeah. everything slowed down and you had time for everything. Hey, you want to go, I don't know, play basketball together? Sure. I probably don't have anything going on. Oh, you want to go shoot a podcast? Sure. I don't have anything going on. Yeah, that's There's true. nothing going on. I Even today, I like I was turning into my neighborhood around 2.30 or 3 and there was a freaking traffic jam out to freaking Wheatland Road from schools, man. Forest Ridge. And I was like, what the heck? I thought somebody got hit. I thought there was an accident. I saw a school bus. It looked like it got <laughs> T-boned and it was just in the way. And I was like, I, I got pissed. I was like pissed and I pulled yeah. into the neighbor's driveway and I like whipped around and went, I had to go all the way around the block. But then I get into Kaiser and we pull in somewhere to get coffee or something and you pull out and traffic was backed up there too. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was thinking, what is happening? And I go, oh, yeah, we haven't had school in so long. I've like- had school. And then, dude, I don't know how single parents do it. I mean, it, I'm not saying this is a reason to stay married. But if you have more than one kid, I don't know how you're getting them to different schools and to all the different practices. Yep. Rachel's literally like, Marshall, you have to take Gianni here because I can't be in two places at once. Hey, man, all family structures are not built the same, despite what everyone wants to tell you that single momhood is heroic and amazing it really you, isn't oh are single you, momhood yeah yeah people talk about it like it's a virtue like as though it's it's unfortunate and there's a lot of like i'll say I think it. it's a virtue for those people that got stuck in it sure i think those people that got like put they they didn't ask for it and they got put in it those people that are like seeking it out to go oh i'm gonna have a baby and they have you know, or or the people who um no glor- in sight That's glorify not- you don't need the man you know right. kind of like that it's like that that's what idiot. i mean yeah you're an idiot because all family structures are definitely not built the same right it takes two i'm learning oh yeah 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 and you just have one kid i'm like 20 percent parent school? she's really like 80 percent, and i'm exhausted oh man that's great are we it's- starting the podcast i guess you remember last time when you're like do we usually talk a little bit this is the talking but i feel like i'm just gonna put this in yeah just keep it it wasn't too worky that's good oh yeah normally it's work related Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dude i'm disappointed you're not drinking anything tonight this is really good well hey man in fairness you already don't think i'm gonna finish my race i didn't want to i know i realized that when i told you that when i was like oh you're not gonna make it i was like oh that's that's really mean also uh it might be a huge motivator or a demotivator. I'm not sure how you're taking it, but I kind of picture you halfway through your race feeling tired and you're like, no, forget Marshall. I'm doing this thing. <laughs> you said, I well, can't do it. I would love to like stroke your ego a little bit and tell you, I will think about you on the race. But the truth of the matter is, and listen, this is one of the reasons we're as good of friends as we are is because I care very little what you think about almost everything. It's uh-huh. good. Except for car sales. Car sales is the only arena in which your opinion of sort of affects me. Well, I really don't think you're going to finish this race. Yeah. So, so it really didn't face me. Cause I told Lynn about it and she was like, wow, he's a jerk. And I go, Oh, I, I, whatever. Oh, wow. You don't care. Her opinion of me must be so low. It it is right. It's an all time low now. She was pretty pissed. Oh, she was pretty pissed. About that statement or a different one? Yeah. And then, uh, who was it? One other person said something that was like mildly like, I don't know, man. And she was like, yeah, you're done to me now. She'll, you know, as soon as I finish, she's just, was it not possessive protective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Weird. Yeah, I get that a lot from, especially some of my friends' wives. They very polarizing sure. at first. They just really I don't like me for some reason. I could see it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Just because I, the truth hurts sometimes, and they're like, "No, that's my husband. You can't tell him how bad he is." <laughs> People tell me how bad I am all the time. I know. I just listen to the podcast. I mm-hmm. frequently tell you you're awful. Oh, thank you. In a nice way. No, I don't. We need need to play back the tapes on that one. And yeah, see. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, so come this time, come next week, you'll have done the race. Done the race. Yep. Yeah. And, we'll- and it'll be done, and then. Everyone keeps asking me, okay, so a 50K is like 31 miles or 32 miles. And they said, so what's the next thing after that? And at first I was mulling around the idea, well, if I can finish 30, maybe I could do a 50 because a 50 miler is the next biggest one. Wow. But I'm off that train 100% now. Mm, that's um, good. You're going to enjoy life a little bit. Yeah, it's just, it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. It's very time consuming too, because it isn't like, uh, you could just kind of go, it's kind of a pass or fail situation, you know, like you either can trek 30 miles in like eight hours or you can't, there's really no, that's like the, that's the time eight hours. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't finish in eight hours and you, you didn't do it. Yeah. Which I've timed every variation of walking and running just to see like, cause I'm trying to get an idea of like, okay, if I have to walk, how much can I walk to average the time to make it to eight hours in you can't really walk that much of it. Like you have to run most of it. You can incorporate in some walking, like on some uphills, but in order to make it in eight hours, you kind of got to keep hoofing it. I mean, it's not like a sprint. It's not like you're running eight minute miles, but, um, it would be hmm. a challenge. And I'm just not interested in any more of this. Yeah. I mean, cause if you're training for that, you're, you're at least tying up four hours of your night. Yeah. Um, I mean, give or take Anywhere between an hour, four hours, five hours of a night. That's why when I was training for running when I was doing Hood to Coast, I used to run at, like, night. I would run at, like, 11 o'clock at night. Because mm-hmm. then my kids were in bed. Rachel didn't care if I ran. It was no interference with my, my family life. Yeah. Sometimes midnight. Early works for me. Okay. Ugh, I'm not yeah. awake in the morning. Plus, my bones haven't settled, so I feel like I, it's just a totally different running style. That's true. It is a weird thing. You do feel more, like, achy in the morning, and you have to, like... It takes, like, a mile just to, like... Have get- you heard that? Like, you're taller in the morning... Than you are no, the day. but that kind of doesn't surprise me. I mean, physiologically, it makes sense you would compress, yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, heard, but that's a, that you're made one of those mushy things, things that my parents told me when I was little. That could be a, a false. I know over time people shrink, yeah, and it's partly like bad posture, and it's partly like I think the little jelly donuts between your like spinal. I don't like talking about this. Let's talk about it, already made me sick. Uh, let's <laughs> jelly donuts between. Ugh. Uh, uh, I can tell you a real gross story, but I'll save no, that. No, let's save that. Dude, I have you heard of, uh, what's it, Elizabeth Holmes? By the way, if everybody just heard, his voice just changed. Like, he got, like, if you ever see something and it makes you retch, like, it's a little bit of that going on right now. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't make me feel good, man. You said something, uh, Shelly Holmes? Elizabeth Holmes. She's the, like, uh, Theranos lady. Heard of that? Mm-hmm. The lady that invented the, you take, oh, a yeah. prick, you take a prick of blood and it, yeah. and it, like, can run 200 tests and. Yep. And she lied. Yeah, she lied. And mm-hmm. she made like, she was the youngest billionaire ever. Mm-hmm. She was like 19. She built this $10 billion company mm-hmm. and then it was all fraudulent. Sold it to Walgreens. Anyway, a crazy, awesome documentary. Meanwhile, after talking about it, I was like, let's watch the documentary because there was one on Hulu. So we started watching it. Oh, dude. I, and I love it. It's, it's so good to like watch that stuff. But then because it's all about like blood, mm-hmm. they're just, they just, they don't have all the footage of everything. So you know how documentaries just mm-hmm. focus on one clip. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, let's just show a phlebotomist pricking somebody for like a solid 67 seconds. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my word, that was really hard for me. Oh, dude. I had that similarly today. It's like you find out things that you don't like as you get older. Like I would have never thought I'm not into needles. I thought, who cares? I don't care. Poke me. 
But today my son had some appointment where he had to get two shots in his legs. And so I had to physically hold his arms mm, yeah, but and like pin that. his legs between my legs. So I had no choice but to basically you watch. feel like you're abusing him? I felt like I was abusing him. Mm-hmm. But then also she did not go easy with that needle. She stuck that needle directly at a 90-degree angle, Ugh. a half inch deep, and he wailed. And I was like... I'm getting a little sick watching that. Some of them, some of them are really nice and they understand. And some of them are like, grow up. Well, some of them are like speed too. They're like, let's just get this over with quick. And I I get that, but it's also pretty like violent. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, he's a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I go in every three months. I think I've said this before to get my blood drawn. I've gotten better at it, but the girl I see, she's really nice and cool and giving me strategies on how to deal with it. And one time, dude, she dropped like the vial on the floor and I, I had a, giant panic attack for a second because i was like oh my gosh blood just squirted everywhere but they're plastic tubes uh, i didn't realize they were plastic and i thought you were gonna say it broke it like rolled more. off and in my everything just went in slow motion it rolls off and i i don't know how quickly time passed but i was like i could see everything the future it breaking splattering onto my leg me passing motion. out yeah everything was slow motion then it fell on the ground i was like oh that was nothing yeah oh that's good that would have stressed me out too i did i got blood drawn once and uh, the guy, it's the only time it's ever happened. I've been very fortunate. In fact, I go to the same place to get my blood drawn. It's actually not the most convenient place. It's out of my way. The labs take a lot longer to get back, but I enjoy that this guy, I literally never feel anything. And then one day I show up way out of my way. I go way out of my way. I do the whole thing and I'm like, this is very inconvenient, but it's worth it because I feel nothing and it's easy and done and over quickly. And it's a different guy. And I go, Oh, I don't like this. And he missed. Oh, and then he had to go in another way. And I was like, I didn't like that at all. Uh, yeah, that's, they, uh, they did that to me when I was going in for my, uh, exploratory surgery or so, I don't know what they call it. Uh, uh, doesn't matter. Um, biopsy or something like that. And they had to put me, they had to give me uh IV and the lady couldn't find my vein. She punctured me like so many times, Ugh. couldn't find it. And then I went like, I, I got so dizzy, sweaty. Uh, I forget what they call it. Um, and I just, like, I almost passed out. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. This, this is the, like the worst person to be doing this to. Like, you have no idea. I can't even. And my wife's been like, hey, lady, find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're clearly not good at this. And then they got the old person in and she was like, so yeah. good. She's like, so sweet, just quick. And it blows me away that like the slightest difference in angle in the way they insert the needle could be the difference between you in essence, not feeling anything and it feeling like you're just getting barbed. And, it, it was and then crazy. I had bruises later. So I know like I, I was justified in it. Cause later I had bruises. Everywhere. I was like, see, yeah. they did mess up. It wasn't yeah. just, it wasn't just me. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, enough about that. Let's talk about a topic. Cause I'm, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. You're not really cut out for this conversation. It's one of the few conversations I think you're not built for. It's weird. You know, we talked about phobias a while ago for some reason. <sighs> and, uh, and needles, like they've progressively gotten worse. I feel like I'm trying to be better about, mm-hmm. you know, giving blood or whatever, but it's, it's, it's not going away. This phobia just doesn't go away. No, there's just, I, I get it. I think there's things like that with me that it's not necessarily phobias, but things that I dislike and I go, I've, tried to focus my attention on getting better at them and it doesn't really get any better. Some things just are built into you. No, yeah. I know. What did we, what did we want to talk about? I wanted to talk to you about, you mentioned something last week called Keynesian, 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 Keynesian. Yeah. How do you spell that? K E Y N S I A N S. Really? Keynesian. That's not how I spelled it at all. Like the word key in the first part. That's. Are you serious? Yeah. Like key, Keynesian. Mm-hmm. Like Keynesian. 
with an N. Got to add the N in there. But yeah, I think you spelled it like C A Y. How do you know how I spelled phonetically? it? Phonetically, I didn't share. I my saw notes you because I saw you spell it incorrectly, and then I was like, "Oh, he's going to cross it out," and you're like, just moved on past it. And I go, "Oh, that's in there forever now." Oh, yep, that's in my. Where did I spell? You in spelled my notes? like Cayenne. Yeah, yeah. Wait, how do you say it? Keynesian. Keynesian. K. Mm, sounds K-E-Y. delicious. It does sound. Keynesian economics. Okay, so we touched on that a little bit. I did want you to a little define that because you and I have these off-air <laughs> conversations about economics. And anyway, this is one that I, I feel like, you know, we did an economics episode, but you, we didn't. I'm not sure we touched as deeply as you and I have personally about what this is because what a lot of what we talked about with what's going on in America, mm-hmm. a lot of it boils down to what you say is Keynesian economics, mm-hmm. right? AKA incorrect economics. Okay. What is Keynes- Keynesian? Keynesian. Keynesian. Well, let me start off by telling you what it isn't. Okay. There's other schools of economics. This just happens to be a school of economics named after the guy who basically founded the principles of, of this. And is this the most widely known? Um, it's in the top two. Widely, widely practiced. Widely practiced, for sure. Okay. The yeah. most widely practiced yeah. form of economics. So there's classical economics, which is like the OG original, like Adam Smith, who's like the founding father of economics. He was the first one to say, hey, um, I think an economy is based on supply and demand. I think that people are self-interested and it's okay. We can harness self-interest and make the economy good, meaning... We don't have to rely on the benevolence of everybody else in order to make a working economy. We can actually harness their self-interest, meaning you want to have a lot of stuff, so you need to find a special thing you can do for a career, make a lot of money, and trade it for a lot of stuff. That's me harnessing your best qualities to get the most out of you while giving you the most that you can possibly get. This is classical economics. That was classical. Classical. Because that sounded like something I like. Yeah, it is. you just explained... I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like it that. is. Okay. It is. And it's a lot around production. Like the, one of the bigger, I guess, flaws in classical, because the next evolution was Austrian economics. After the country of Austria? Uh, it came from the country of Austria. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of smart people came from there. A lot of smart economists came from that school and they elaborated on classical economics. And classical economics also is founded in the principle of basically you should get really good at something and produce as much of that as you can get as efficient as you can at producing whatever it is you're really good at and go crazy, produce as much of it as you can realistically. Okay. Okay. Well, the Austrian economist took it a step further and said, no, you don't want to just go crazy and mass produce everything. You kind of want, they focused on something called marginal utility. And that basically just means that People don't want everything in the same quantity all the time. Meaning if you like a product and you'll pay a dollar amount for that product, doesn't mean you're willing to part ways with as much money for the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And I kind of mentioned this with Kara the other day where I said, if you trudged across the desert and you had a hundred dollars in your pocket, you were super thirsty. And I said, Hey, give me that hundred dollars. I'll give you this glass of water. You'd be like, yeah. Okay. Fair. I don't want the hundred dollars. Please. I need the water. Cause you're so thirsty from going through the desert. Yep. You're willing to pay whatever for that. But then when I said, cool, how'd you like that first one? I got a second one. If you had another hundred, would you pay? You'd be like, maybe. But the third, you wouldn't. And the fourth. And after a while, you'd be like, dude, it's worthless. Hmm. means nothing to me. Okay. So it's diminishing return, basically. And they said that's actually a nuance that is important in economics because it means that people have to produce in the right quantity. Right? So you have to figure out how much people want, balance in the quantity. You can't just mass produce everything. 
And then the Keynesian School of Economics. Wait, which one was that you were just describing? Austrian. Okay, Austrian. That sounds a little bit like, isn't that where you would create, wouldn't it be beneficial to create a supply and demand issue where there's like less supply so that you keep the demand up? Yes. I mean, it, it helps. Like That's like a monopoly. Like A monopoly is advantageous for the person who has the monopoly because they control the supply and they control the price. Which like, we have laws in the United States right, against Right, antitrust monopoly, laws right? and yeah. monopoly laws. Do you feel like those are being followed right now? I don't know. Did COVID throw those out the window? I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't really put much thought into monopolies as they pertain to COVID. Can you maybe elaborate on your question a little bit? Well, I just feel like people are able to charge more because we're not I mean, maybe it's not a monopoly, but, you know, there is a, a supply shortage of everything, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter what it is. There's like a supply shortage of everything, which actually I don't mind because I feel like we were a consumer, just consumer hungry. You ever go to Walmart and you just go, this stuff is so cheaply made. Like, mm-hmm. why are we even, why are we even selling it? It's just going to end up in a dump mm-hmm. and then it's going to not decompose because it's made of plastic and mm-hmm. it's just a piece of crap. Like, just make better stuff. Save your money, people. Mm-hmm. Save it for a little bit nicer stuff. Just please. Mm-hmm. Rather than having the shelves and shelves and shelves. Like, how does Walmart sell all of their stuff all the time? It's a little mind-blowing to me. Yeah. They they are massive stores. Any big store, actually. Any big store blows my mind. A Walmart, a uh, Cabela's, gigantic store. And I go, you have to sell so much stuff all the time. We have to have everything now that used to be permanent is now disposable. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a disposable shirt. It's a disposable toothbrush. It's disposable shoes. They only have what used to be my parents would wear shoes for years. Now we wear it for months, mm-hmm. right? And then we're like, oh, got to get a new pair. Or like right? they lo- they fade or they lose color and then it's like not as attractive to you. So you're like, let's just get rid of them. Right. I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I don't, I haven't really put a lot of thought into that because, well, I, I, I've put a thought into it before, but I didn't really come to a firm conclusion, which is if a market is efficient and the best quality should win or the best price for quality, I guess you should say, then why do people, why are, what is the negative implication of a free market economy that allows so much cheap crap? Because if I say, Hey, you're a, you know, working person, you're one income and you've only got so much extra money. I can offer you this whole Walmart full of cheap stuff, mm-hmm. or I can sell you this one thing that's really good quality. Why would you not choose the cheap stuff? But then the bigger picture for the free market haters, wouldn't that create a negative externality, which is that there's a lot of junk getting dumped and a lot of waste, right? Yeah. I mean, I wish, like, I, how I does not, the market penalize that? I don't know how it does. I don't know. Cause you know, when you first get married and you're like starting your house Mm-hmm. And you go and you buy everything IKEA, Target, Farberware, mm-hmm. right? I mean that's that's mm-hmm. got to ring true to some people where you just go, okay, I can fill up, I can have the cheap Farberware knife set, totally. I can have the IKEA furniture. I still have an IKEA lamp, uh huh, and it's great. I love IKEA. I have a, a lot of it still. If but but it only makes past, I mean, two moves on an I- IKEA furniture is pretty hard on it. Yeah, or it, e- it or- doesn't really last. And so then you go, man, I'm tired of this IKEA. Furniture, I want to just get something solid and nice. And then you pay up, you, you save a little bit of money, you pay up the big bucks for the, the nice dining room table or the nice living room couch. But it costs a lot more. But it, that's just an evolution of time. So maybe when you, I mean, somebody who's newly married, who isn't as established as me, can have all of the same stuff I do. Mm-hmm. Pretty quickly. Or just, look like it. Or look like it. But yeah. it's just really cheap stuff. Or like it's like when you go camping. Do you ever go camping and you're like, you end up buying a cheap lantern and a new mm-hmm. little cheap cooler and 
you know, a little grill. Like That's I, what I mean by disposable. It's yeah, all freaking I, I, disposable. Like when I went camping as a kid, it was the same stuff year in and year out. Same tent, yep. same that. You no matter how moldy that, and dusty that it got. Coleman cooler with like the little yeah. uh, metal yeah. lock. The metal freaking lock, man. Where well, are those coolers? I like this. Those. Metal this, lock, metal handles that would not break. I, I feel like they make things to maybe break it's now. A, maybe it's something as you age, as you get older, you know. And maybe we're incorrect. Maybe in the old days there was cheap stuff, and people, young people, were buying the cheap crap. Who I knows? don't know, man. They didn't buy as much. I know my parents and the, and their parents. They hold on to stuff. They hold on to it and they reuse it. Their telephone wire that you don't know what to do with. But I do know that Their economists would argue that that's hose. like that's like the marvel of free trade, which is is it good that if you went back in time, all there was was really good stuff to buy, but it was more expensive and it excluded people from purchasing it because it was pricing them out. Whereas now, because of free trade, we have all this Chinese stuff and Indian stuff and Mexican made stuff, and we get all their stuff and it's super cheap and we can afford way more now. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? I don't know. I, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's a good thing. You look at like even big screen TVs, you can pay. I, I, I don't even understand it. You can pay $6,000 for a TV or you can pay $600 for a TV. <laughs> yes. My 70 inch TV is a smart TV. Yeah. I think I paid almost $600 for it. It was like a Black Friday special, picked it up at Target. And then I talked to some people and they're like, I paid $4,000 for my TV. And yeah. I'm going, for what? Oh, I, I'm i even one of those people. I think I paid like $2,500 for a TV like six years ago. And mm-hmm. then my younger brother bought a very similar TV today for like $400. Yeah. I was like, that's... But then, then I mean, my TV glitches out of it. It's like a smart TV, but I have to reset it every once in a while because mm-hmm. it, it just... It, I don't feel like it's as capable maybe as the... Then, I'm, then I am going, man, should I just spend the... Yeah, four thousand dollars. I'm with that now, where it's like I would rather have less stuff and the stuff I have be stuff I would reuse and keep uh-huh. rather than just keep because it it becomes clutter too. It doesn't all end up in a dump. A lot of it ends up in your garage. How, how do you, how do you declutter? I know we're way off topic. We got to get to this Keynesian economics thing because you haven't even touched on it yet. You covered the other two bases, <laughs> but dude, how do you how on earth do you declutter after so many years of clutter? Like you. You go through your closet and you go, or or your house or whatever room it is, and you're like, I want to get rid of stuff, but I might, I might need this. Yeah, there's always this might. I see. My new tactic is get rid of it before I think anything about it, and see if I miss it. And I have never missed anything. I've sold, and and that's the other thing too. How much how much stuff in your house do you think you could do without? Like I would say eighty percent of it. Eighty percent, maybe right now. You maybe more, maybe more. Yeah. Uh, that is a that is a lot. I mean, you want to get crazy? I'm saying like I could have like a mattress on the floor. I don't even need the bed. Frame. Okay, let's not get crazy. I'm okay, not you're talking saying, about like, survival oriented. Okay, I'm just saying, hey, if you and Lynn still wanted to be comfortable in your house 50, and still 50, feel, still feel like you could have guests over and feel good about yourself, not okay. You're getting a little bougie now. Yeah. Okay, let's say forty percent. I could probably get rid of. I mean, there's okay. a lot, dude. There's a lot 40%, of forty percent. Still... But here's the thing: if you actually go to my house, you were ready to just go post-apocalyptic. Oh, I. Because, Everything. dude, you said it best. There's ways to feel richer, and sometimes it's like getting rid of expenses. And something about getting rid of things makes you feel like you don't need anything. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel like, oh, I, I could live pretty like sparsely if I had to. Yeah, there's certain freedom in that. I think that's why this like, um, you ever see how many people like want to live in vans now and like build vans and go live in them in campers? And there's like mini houses, right, or whatever you call them, tiny dude, houses, tiny homes. I don't understand that. My at sister all. just texted me. She's like, Hey, if you ever buy property, can I build a tiny house on it? And I was like, What is the big Think about this. What's she willing to pay for rent? Because I could maybe rent her a spot if she could put That's a tiny what I home said. on. I said, uh, I was just laughing because I was thinking, 
you don't like, I would charge you like a market value for that. Right. <laughs> you don't get it for free. Right. If you're going to put a tiny home on my property, you're going to yeah. pay rent to yeah. store that tiny home. Yeah. But there's sure. places that like they're, they're like, uh, RV parks, but they're for tiny homes. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's also like on Instagram, I'm starting to see, um, this movement where people are taking storage containers and renovating them into homes. There's a company that's like buy a storage mm-hmm. container home. Yeah. And they, you pick the storage container and then they renovate it into Doesn't a home. Doesn't that sound cold? It just sounds like... I mean, like, they're metal. And, and here's the they thing. They sound cold to me. It, I get it, but, like, to me, I go, unless you're able to just pay cash for the thing and be like, well, the beauty is I don't have any mortgage whatsoever. If you're going to have to pay 100 150 grand for it anyway, you might as well just live in a regular house. Because you got a mortgage. Still. Right. I'd rather live in a crappy home than a tiny home. Yeah. I've seen those tiny homes, and it's cool because... All the mechanisms, like the stairways also act as storage units and Mm -hmm. the closet also has like this built-in shelf that comes out that turns into a hidden pocket that holds whatever. You're like, cool, except none of my stuff would fit in there. And every time you're getting dressed, you can't get dressed in the bed because it's upstairs and you can't bend really well. You have to come downstairs and Plus it's stand like, up. Don't, don't you know. ever, aren't you ever in your own home now and, and your house is decently sized and I think mine is like a normal home, but you ever just go, I'm kind of bored of being here. And it's like, you have a backyard and a front yard and a garage and you still get bored of that. Imagine if mm-hmm. you had like 400 square feet, you'd be bored in your house. Every Here's the deal. Day. If your sister was on my property, she'd be in, my, in our house all the time. True. She's true. There's she'd no way. Like, she'd can I live in a normal her. house for a while? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Was, that would just be like her bedroom. Yeah. Really? Her bedroom that had a bathroom and I don't know. That, how does that work? Where's the bat? Where's the fluids go for the bathroom? I don't I've no See, that's the thing. You have to like plumb it in and like, it's not really that. Less. And they're expensive. Have you yeah. seen how much a tiny home is? That's what I'm saying. Like they're not, they're just cool now. They're not cheap. Like at least in the dawn of the tiny house era, you could, the, the beauty of them was also that they were super cheap. I don't get that, man. Cool stuff becomes like expensive. I just don't get that. That's like Crocs or Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks are expensive. Have you, it's because you can't have a lot of material on them. Yeah, or like Crocs, like you said. Like I think one of my original economics teachers wore Crocs, and everyone just kind of behind his back make fun of him. And now, like the popular like girls are wearing Crocs. It's like, yeah, they look a, like gardening shoes. It's weird. My and wife my is going to feet sweat in them because they're just rubber. Yeah, they're, that's what I'm saying. Like, how is that comfortable? And they're so loose. They're like one size fits all. Like, don't they just flap around on your feet? I don't get it. Oh, they're stupid. Go back to your economics. Yes. So we can get to the Keynesian. Okay, so classical, and then that evolved a notch through Austrian economics, which is where I'm at in life. I've subscribed to Austrian economics. I believe in it. I read that stuff. That's stuff that sits best with me. It makes sense. Um, And then Keynesian economics kind of came about... I don't actually know the year. I think it was like during the Depression is when it really became pronounced that... Uh, Keynes put forth his ideas of how to manage an economy through Keynesian theories. And the basic idea for his, in a nutshell, was Austrian economics, if an economy is run that way, they, the, the Keynesians think it creates, there's a natural business cycle. So a boom and a bust and a boom and a bust over the course of years. Okay. If the Austrians are correct and they hope that they are, the boom and the bust is still in an upward cycle, meaning you're ever richer every year, even if you go through... Isn't that kind of what we're in? in yeah. In the United States? Yeah. So I think a lot of Austrians would say, yeah, that does happen, but it happens for reasons that really aren't the Austrian economic theory's fault. We could fix it better through more Austrian economics. But nonetheless, we all acknowledge the boom and the bust happens. And the Keynesians said, okay, our theory says free market creates booms and busts. So in order to further 
improve the quality of life for average citizens, the government needs to step in during the bust and step out during the boom, right? Mm, so it, so basically when the economy is in a trough and it's like they the Keynesians say the average human being and a, a citizen rather would feel the downturn in the economy coming and immediately want to withhold money and stop purchasing. Because what do you do if you if I said, hey, we're going to go into a recession, you probably want to hold on to your money and save and be more frugal. And they say that exacerbates and causes the, the trough, right? The bust. Mm-hmm. And so the Keynesians say, well, what we should do is when we get an inkling that there's going to be a bust, government should step in and subsidize the spending through, you know, lowering taxes and stimulus and flooding Which is what's being practiced. Right. And flooding the market with Interesting. the economy with money to subsidize. And then here's the kicker though. The Keynesians also say, but when you're back in boom times, we should give all the money back that we borrowed. We should step out. We should, how would that happen? Uh, through, well, there's a couple of things like quantitative easing is one that's become popular. I don't know what you just said. Quantitative easing. So it's it's one. I of mean, the I know th- what you just said. I just have zero idea what that meant. It's it's basically one of the biggest tools that the Keynesians use, which is like the government buys, or rather, okay, if you want to put more cash, physical cash, in the economy, I know we print it now, which is not an actual policy. It's just something they do. But if you wanted to follow an actual policy and get more cash into the economy, you could do it by saying, hey, um we're going to buy all the government bonds back from all the investors and all the banks. So now, whereas you, the investor, private citizen, human being in the economy, you have a government bond, treasury bonds, because a lot of investors do and a lot of banks hold a lot of them. Um, we're going to actually call those and buy them back. So now you have cash. So now all the banks and the investors are flush with cash. And what do they do? They got to invest it. And s- so that's, that's, that's where the government steps out? That's where the government steps in. Oh, okay. And then when they want to step out, they reissue the bonds and they take all the cash back out. That's just one way. Um, they also, if hmm. they want to step out, they will raise taxes, right? That's another way is go, hey, economy looks like it's about to do really well. So this is another criticism of Keynesian economics is um, why should we limit the boom times? Because Keynesians will directly tell you, like, we want to limit the bad times, but we're going to limit the good times in order to limit the bad times. Basically saying we're going to take from the economy when it's good so we can give it back when it's bad. Hmm. But the issue with Keynes, one of the many issues with Keynesian economics in, even in theory is governments often stimulate the economy, right? But they don't do anything to reverse those actions in the good or in the good time. So when it's bad, they stimulate. So right now, right now we're seeing Keynesian economics play out. Oh yeah. Like I would say most Western cultures, practice policymakers are Keynesian. But I would say in the last 10 years, more so than any other time in our past, right? 30 to 40 years. Mm. Wow. Okay. I mean, you saw it in 08, Mm -hmm. Obama, you know, bailed out. You're just seeing the most atrocious versions of it, but it's been, it's been very popular for the last 40 years. So Obama bails out the banks, but then he also does cash for clunkers. That was Mm -hmm. like a huge stimulus, stimulus package, right? And then right now, I mean, he Trump- also did quantitative easing massively. Like I- you remember when um, interest rates were one point nine nine for like ever. Yeah, that was um, the Federal Reserve practicing one of the tools that it has and squashing interest rates down in order to like get people so lending. We- okay, that happened. Uh-huh. Then I guess maybe they went up a little bit, but that happened again. They're back down to mm-hmm. its lowest, like ever. I mean, 
interest rates have never been lower. Refinance your house. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, cool. And then they drop them even lower and you're like, what the crap? Interest rates have never been lower. And you're like, oh, shoot, I just I refinanced. Should I refinance the, again? Right. I actually refinanced like two or three times. I mean, I'm going, dude, if they dropped it another point, should I? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I actually dropped a point and then like six months later I text my guy, my mortgage guy and I go, Hey man, sounds stupid, but he goes, it's not stupid at all. You definitely should do it right now. And I said, okay. Well, yeah. And he's making like 20 grand a pop every oh, time dude, he does yeah. it, right? My yeah. payment went down, but my debt went up. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. Is, yeah. Is that a good idea? What's that? I mean, you're, you're the economics guy. Is that a good idea to keep refinancing? Uh, there, I mean, you have to do the math. Like, there's a point at which it doesn't make any sense anymore, right? Like, you're adding the, 10 grand to the back of your loan to save 100 grand in 30 years. Right. Is it? Yeah. And also, like, you know, they're like, how long are you going to keep it? And when are you going to be break even again? And et cetera, et cetera. Like, hmm. those are questions you'd have to answer. So, we're seeing Keynesian economics played out. I mean, even hmm. Trump. Did it right? I mean, he he said out Trump bucks to everybody. So is he a believer in Keynesian economics? Probably not. And this is the problem is that Keynesian economics is like liberal politics. It's like, it's very easy to sell on the merit of like, it feels good for, to do good for the people, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to understand for most people, like most say Austrian economists who come along and go, actually we should raise interest rates. Uh, sorry, your unemployment benefit should be probably less or, or at least stay the same. We shouldn't have so many social safety nets to catch everybody who's falling and failing and all of that. So they would rein it way back in. It just doesn't feel as good. That would be the best thing for us. One of the reasons that America, I believe what has gone through the boom and gotten as big as it has in the, you know, 300 years is because we were real free market capitalists and that went, made us go crazy. So, Okay. Austrian economics, is that still practiced in Austria today? No, it's not, I don't, I don't actually know places that it is. I mean, I think Singapore is one weird place that they. Singapore is crazy. They have like a 50% tax. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I've, it's something, but they're like one of the richest nations in the world. I've always heard that was one place that's like, it's super easy to do business there. Like they're trying to attract businesses and like lower taxes and all that. But hmm. I don't actually know. I just know that most Western countries practice, their policymakers are basically. I heard Singapore is really pretty. I've heard actually Vietnam is really pretty. Yeah. Which is weird because if you talk to my dad, he's like, I'll never go there again. Well, did he serve in the war? He did. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want a vacation in a place I, but, I tried mean, to murder me. It's been a long time, man. Yeah, okay. Go, dad? I don't know. There's still a lot of people from World War II that were like, you know, I mean, they still call them Japs from the Japanese. So you're like, whoa, <laughs> oh, I don't think you should say that. Yeah. You know? I could tell a story about my dad, which I guess he'll never listen to this, but nicest guy, no negative racism in his body, but he, you know, he just talks like an old school person. And he did a high school presentation at my sister's high school because there was like, bring your person to school and they'll do a presentation. It was a history class. And he was talking about the Vietnam War and he was doing it in a really brutal fashion and all the kids were eating it up. And then he said like the word, what's the word they use? It's like a derogatory, like gook or something. I don't know. It was a very derogatory term and she just froze and clammed up and was like, I cannot believe you just said that. But luckily, everyone understood he was just like an old guy. He wasn't intending it, so he, he got away. <laughs> Racism's with okay if you're old. <laughs> that's it's not. A, that's the lesson. Yeah, that is. It is more forgivable. It seems like you're like ah, oh, they're just old. They don't know. Yeah, any like better. was it ill intent or or yeah? Cultural. I think yeah. Still it seems yeah. It, but it's like one of those things that lost its meaning, you know. And so it's like he doesn't even associate it. I mean, he's changed his way since then. But it was something he said then. I was like, Dad, you mm. can't, you can't, you can't say that anymore, man. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, well, so so anyway, it's nice that he doesn't listen to the podcast. It's he wouldn't. 
<laughs> he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't. doesn't care what I do. My mom actually, I think, has. Oh, that's nice. Has any of your family? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, my uncle listens. Um, he messages me pretty frequently on the um, Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. That's probably it. Maybe my mom. Yeah. And who knows who else? I don't know. So we have more strangers listening from different states than are. Hundred percent. That's you know when some people are like, oh, you know, how many followers? And we go over it, and they're like, oh, that's nice of your family. I'm like, my family doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm constantly saying at zero of it is anybody we actually know. Yeah. But again, those like I, we're up to like five people in Alaska. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand what's Getting up with big. Alaska. Get big in Getting Alaska. Huge. Whoa, it's blown up. I would have thought too, because I think when we started it, I would have thought more people would just be interested, even if you think you're going to make an ass of yourself. Like if somebody you know who is, you were close with was like, hey, man. Um, I'm starting a podcast. We air a new one every week. You should listen. I would listen even if I didn't think it was going to be good just to hear how bad it was. Oh yeah. Oh, I absolutely. Would... Sometimes I listen to things just because I go, yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah. That's probably why we have some listeners. And I go, why didn't more? And so when I criticize my family and my close people about like, you never listen to the podcast, they're like, oh, does it hurt your feelings? I'm like, no, but like, I'm just curious. Why would you not be interested to see? How possibly bad it could be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what, what if it's the worst thing ever? It and the not- funny thing is, is I can say so much on here completely in a bubble. Cause I feel like I know for a fact, nobody I live with is going to hear this. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Confident in that. Well, we should, we should have a, uh, maybe on Thanksgiving we'll have a, We'll just go off on all of our family members and see who listens. <laughs> what is it? Uh, the Seinfeld Air Your Grievances? Air, yeah, the Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I like that. That's something I could get behind. Well, let me go back to this economics thing because I don't, I don't want to totally drop it. Sure. Right now, would you say we are a nation that's subscribed to this style of economics? Yeah. And it's, it's like sim- when you talk about it, sorry. Yeah. When you talk about it, you say Austrian economics. That makes sense to me and you, mm-hmm. I guess. But both me and you, or maybe other people we talk to, we would go, yeah, that sounds good. Except, well, I don't know. I kind of, I mean, when things get sucky, we don't really want to go through an 08. We don't want to go through a Great Depression. So I don't mind the government stepping in, right? Well, that and that's one of the problems with Keynesian economics is that it creates entitlement. So people grow but up. But Austrian doesn't have the you step in. No, I mean... There's degrees that you don't have to be all or nothing. Like, I think we all agree that, and listen, I've listened to Austrian economists say, listen, child labor laws really don't even need to be there, to be honest. And I'm like, okay, I need to really hear that idea <laughs> out because that sounds like not something I would agree with. Well, that's like my son. He's like, dude, there shouldn't be a minimum wage. Well, I don't think there should be a minimum wage either. And I'm listening to a guy talk about why he thinks there shouldn't be child labor laws. And I'm actually like, okay, well, I want to hear your – because the beauty of it is is they actually tell you logically why. Now, you don't have to agree with it, but at least they can argue their point in a way that makes sense. And can you, you argue it? Can you articulate the, that point? The child labor laws? Mm-hmm. Uh, not Maybe well in a future enough. episode? Oh, yeah, for okay. sure. I could – I could try. I bet it. you. Got, I could get my son on that. I'm going to ask him, and I'm yeah. going to do research on it. I bet you I could get him on that train too. Yeah. Well, one of the ideas is basically that uh, if a family needs kids to work, just because there's a law that says they can't, doesn't mean they're not going to put them to work. Well, so, that's true. You saw McFarland, the movie McFarland. Uh, I don't know if I've that seen was that a, one. That was like the runners that were in oh, California. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was trying to get them to run. They had to go work the farm. I mean, they got yeah. They talk about prostitution. This guy actually specifically said in some countries, like if the labor laws are such that a kid, cause there are some countries like in America, I think it's easier for us to pallet kids don't get to work. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are some countries where it's like, why do you like the family needs to work? 
yeah. the kids need to work. And but they, what's their life expectancy? Like 45? Well, maybe it could be better if they would loosen up on some of the restrictions. And I'm not sure prostitution is going to fly. <laughs> no, but that's the point is if you tell kids they can't work in those countries, there's a good chance that they might end up doing something really unsavory in like the black market mm. because they need oh, the money. See. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I think one of the reasons that we subscribe to Keynesian econo- economics so like widely is because again, it's very similar to like why a lot of sort of liberal policies propagate, even though when you play them out, they don't make a lot of sense is because they're like feel good. Right. And I think that the, the more generations go by with some or a bunch of Keynesian economic policies, the more entitled they become. And the more that they expect that, like, that's what government's here for, right? Because we live in the here and now, right? We do. We do. So we, right now, you go, okay, that might not be good the long term, right? Mm-hmm. And I know people are like, oh, climate change, long term, all this stuff, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But when you're living in the here, right here, right now for stuff that I want to consume, mm-hmm. the money that I want to make for the stuff that I want to buy, mm-hmm. you're going, how do we keep the economy stimulated for right here, right now? And I think everybody's on board for that. I mean, even if they say they're not, they really are, right? Yeah. And so that's hard to battle against, even if you are somebody who's like, well, this isn't good long term. Yeah. So how do you, well, what, it's, do you do, what would you, what would you do with that? What would you do if you were president right now? Well, I mean, I don't know that the president even has the power to make the sweeping changes that would be necessary, but I uh, think... That's why you're not president. That's true. Because you're limited thinking. Although, you know how many, uh, what are the executive orders Trump issued? Like, a billion of them. Yeah. And but they uh, Biden just surpassed that. Yeah. So. so... I know he got criticized for it, but Biden already surpassed that. Oh, really? That's interesting. So he just isn't showboating it as much. Trump was like, every day there was like a... He like basically undid everything that jumped yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. You should watch that interview with the, uh, Israel, the, the, um, he's like the prime minister of Israel and he mm-hmm. just goes off on Biden. He's like, Hey, why would you do this? It's, oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty, I think I posted it to our huh. Instagram. You should watch it. It's I don't check that. That's really good. I love that you're a fan of the show. Ah, it's mediocre. Here's the thing about the Instagram that's baffling to me. Cause mm-hmm. by the way, you run it and you take full ownership of it. So I'm just going to put this. I'm not going to lay claim to that. Because I don't want to be mm-hmm. bashed for other things that are on mm-hmm. it. But yes, I do. Uh, this podcast is about a lot of other things than politics, but you only post about political things. False. Yeah, you do. Name one thing. Name one thing that I post about? That's not political. Our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Promoting the podcast. Okay. Uh, it's hard, dude, right now. like, Dude, it's so hard right now. So you, we talked last week about that teacher. Yes. That anarchist teacher. And then I, I shared with you the whole... Uh, what was it? The, the school board meeting that they had. Mm-hmm. So they, they project Veritas came in and they had, they mandated, they mand- mandated, mandated, ma- they demanded. Oh, okay. There we go. They kind the of the teach. I know I was trying to think about it. The teachers demanded that there was, you know, a hearing basically. And they wanted to uh, a board meeting and they want to come in and they just land blasted the whole mm-hmm. board and they had the whole, it was like an hour and, it was brutal, it was probably an hour and 50 minutes or something of this. And it was live on there. So I watched the whole episode. I think I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't stop watching this. And I was so like excited about how angry they got because they, they're finally standing up. They're like, you know, we stayed silent about, 
We stayed silent about you, uh, the masks. We stayed silent about you canceling school. We stayed silent about you introducing sex education at such a young age. We stayed silent about all this other stuff. And we're, we're done being silent. And I was like, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. Finally, like whatever this was, the straw that broke the camel's back, the Antifa in the classroom. And this is great. So you're right. It's hard. I do post a lot about politics. But politics are freaking everywhere. And you and I have talked about that. We've tried to steer away from it. But it's everywhere. Every where you turn with them trying to shut us down, wearing masks, getting vaccinated, not being vaccinated. It's all politicized. Yeah. It's not politicized right now. No. And in fairness, I think we talk about what we want to talk about. And sometimes, I mean, uh, in fairness, a lot of our conversation deviates into the weird, like one-off random parts of our lives, but the central theme is generally something political. Um, so it makes some sense. I think there, I had one person say that to me where they're like, yeah, it's weird. Your podcast isn't actually all that political, which I don't know when he was listening to it, but I'm like, he said that's weird. Well, he said that it's weird that you're not actually super political in your podcast all the time, but yet your Instagram is, almost exclusively oh. political. Banking. Well, I will work on that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. That's and then good it, feedback. And then every time you post, I go, another political thing, another political thing. Why don't you try to manage it, you homo sapien? No, no, I'm not into that. I, hmm. I don't finish things. I just start things. So, Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, this is another thing, and I think this is an important point. I want to make this because I feel like we constantly talk about Keynesian economics, but then we never actually get to like the meat of it. Oh, I thought we were. And this is, this is important stuff. I thought we were there. Another, another reason that, you know, so, so people go like, well, okay, maybe I guess I can understand why printing a bunch of money is bad for the economy. Sure. It feels good to get a few hundred dollars, but if you're inflating all the money, it's like, I get that. I think more people understand that. Like, did you, did you, have you noticed more, uh, sort of like pushback when Biden puts out another stimulus? Have you heard more people go another one, dude? I can't believe oh, this. Yeah. 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 So I get, I think that the, that's something that even the normal person is a little bit like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good, but things like low interest rates. I think it's difficult for people to understand why artificially low interest rates are bad. And it's the same reason. So getting back to like why Keynesian economics I think is bad. And I said, it creates sort of like moral hazard. Like it creates a situation where people become entitled. Um, I think things like lowering interest rates sort of creates a distortion in the market, right? So in a free market economy, the money gets lent to people who have the best ideas. And it also lower interest rates in a free market economy signifies to average citizens that, hey, now is a good time to borrow in order to grow this part of the economy, building houses, building cars, whatever. Mm -hmm. When they're artificially low, it basically sends the wrong signal that every item in the economy is hot and we should build way more of everything. That's what it seems like right now. And we don't need it. And that's the thing. It's not so true. What is, what is going on right now? Because dude, I don't, I don't understand it. Houses are being built everywhere. Right. And that's everywhere. a good example. You know why they're being built? Because there's not enough of them because now that the artificially low interest rates hit, everybody and their mother has a home loan at a, and can afford a boatload of house that they really can't afford. But because the interest rates still, they think they can. And so they're sending the wrong signal to the builders and the actual capital in our economy, which is precious and scarce and like finite is going to get all shoved into things that really once the bubble bursts or the, you know, the house of cards falls, that's what happened like in 08 to some degree is like, we what's get, the tall, what's the tall tale signs that this is something that's going to collapse? Well, the more, I mean, there's a lot of them. Like I, I told you, like when the yield curve inverted, that was yeah, one you told me you were like, I, 
I remember this because you're like when. But I then see COVID it, happened. I'll let, you, I'll let you know. But yeah, right. There's. So it's not like I. I mean, it's not the government could do something. And to your point with Keynesian, can't they just jump in and and fix it per, to prevent it from going too far south? They're trying to, but I mean, this is the thing: is like there's so many Western economies that have failed because you can only do it for so long. I listened to a interview from a guy from like 1965. His name was Paul Harvey. I really don't know what his thing was, but he's like economics and political. And he basically said that most free market economies fail after two or 300 years. And it typically tends to fail once in essence, this, the free market side is getting taxed. What's another, sorry, at a certain percentage. So he's basically saying the public sector and all the entitlement programs can only grow so big logically before it collapses the private sector. Yeah. I mean, don't you feel like that with like any dominating country, like they have a certain amount of time and then. Yes. And why is that? Because the more free a country is and the more free their market is, the more they are prosperous Mm -hmm. and the more money there is, the more government starts to suck onto it and leech and grow and go, Hey, you guys are making a lot of money. Let me just get a little bit so of that. America's got a timestamp on it, no matter what. 100%. There's nothing they can do about it. Well, we can either have a war on our soil, which would basically level us to some degree, and that feels like that's about to happen. Clear is that the, not happening? I'm, dude. I, I'm I, not above anything happening in this. Country. I just got because there's so many reasons why our country is divided right now. But I just got another alert before we came into this podcast. And it was Biden wanting to sue Texas for the abortion mm-hmm. uh, heartbeat law, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, we are so split on that in our country. On what's totally. going on. I mean, it's either it's a woman's right or it's the I can't keep dropping my pen. It's a woman's right or it's the it it's the baby's right, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. a, it's a human life right of the baby or it's a, or, or it's the woman's right. You're of protecting her body. one human's rights. Yeah, it's just who's which one's it going to be? And and there's very strong opinions on this. Yeah, and that could. That right there could split our country. Well, I've already heard a lot of the people. That's a Supreme Court ruling. Yeah, that is now there, people are trying to say that's unconstitutional. Texas what you, Supreme Court. No, the Supreme Court. So Texas. Oh, you're talking about Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Well, okay, I am talking about Roe v. Wade, but the the Texas Supreme uh, the Texas passed that law. Then the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of the United mm. States, said we're not going to fight it. We we passed it. What was it five to four saying we're not gonna we're not even gonna let anybody challenge this we're not gonna hear it we're not gonna hear it yeah so that was these and so you go wow well that's the top there's there's nothing getting past that right yeah yeah that's so if if there's no getting past that what's the next option well in there isn't really I mean war yeah war or unless they somehow pass something else that's a workaround of some sort um, but the interesting thing is is that I we've talked about in the past like Joe Biden is such a terrible president. I mean, we all assumed, I think he's basically cognitively declining massively. Yeah. But then the Afghanistan situation really made him hyper unpopular. Like I think even the New York times reported that his popularity is like totally waning right now. Um, and we were seeing a lot of center left people coming more center, right. And going, yeah, I don't agree with this and I don't like this and I don't want to back this up. Uh, but now, because of the Texas thing, I feel like those people are switching back and going, oh, they're, Republicans. Yeah, they found, some, they found something to latch on to. Yeah. Because, man, I I heard some heated Facebook debates. Oh, I've yeah. Oh, it was crazy. And I when somebody, somebody's coming to me, they're like, oh, man, I'm in this Facebook Facebook debate. And I'm going, why? Why yeah. are you even in it? Oh, like, I, par- I took part in one uh, anonymously, obviously. Well, not anonymously. I said it was the person. 
But you have to have a name on Facebook. But no, but she handed me her phone. Was like, can you respond to this? And I said, oh, oh yeah, let me just fire. But then I found myself going. I'm answering one, and then I read another, and I go, oh, I want to respond to that, too. And I go, no, it's not going to matter. And then, and, dude, and then you get so pissed. And then 20 minutes later, she came back in. She's like, oh, you'll never guess what they wrote back to you. And I was like, why did I even My wife had to stop social media because she would just get so worked up. I'd come in, and I'd be like, what's the matter with you? She's so pissed. And I'm like, it's – it." You can't even see the person right now. Mm-mm. They're cross country doing who God knows what. Why are you getting into a battle about this and letting it control your life? And well, it is. I mean, social media is a, is gonna be if we ever end up in some sort of a civil war or a battle of that sort, it'll be partly propagated by social media because we've we've in essence stopped talking. It's just talking points firing back and forth each other. There's no actual conversation. Do you feel like? Uh, do you feel like there should be a lot of regulation on? Media now, I think the I think the uh, regulations should be more enforced and more clear. Um, like I don't necessarily think that I think one of the big things that I have a problem with is like how many news outlets are sort of inserting their opinions without yeah. having to be factual, and they're basically becoming political pundits instead of actual. Fact Did you outlets. see the CNN? I probably posted this on our Instagram. Probably. But did you see the CNN interview with Brett Favre? No. You know who Brett Favre is, right? Recently or old? It's new. Oh, I didn't know he was still alive. (laughs) Okay. I thought he was old and dead. No, he's alive and kicking. But anyway, they they were talking about how the NFL... It's probably a whole nother podcast about vaccines, right? But they, they were talking about how in the NFL, they're re- widely trying to get most of the population of the NFL vaccinated. And like the Falcons are one of the teams that are like 98% vaccinated coaches, staff, everything. Right. And then they're like, but then there's some NFL teams where there's a few people holding back. And so they, they push them on it. And Brett Favre says, well, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of speculation on this. So that's why some people are probably holding back. And then she's like, well, have you been vaccinated? And he goes, um, I'm not going to answer that. That's like a personal question. Like, mm-hmm. why are you even asking me that? Mm-hmm. And then she got offended that he was offended. And she's like, well, uh, I mean, you're not even willing to answer whether you've been vaccinated. And it all of a sudden turned into like this hostile conversation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey, there's a lot of question marks on it. And there's a lot of false stuff going around. And she's like, there's no false stuff going around. It's a hundred percent safe. It's been proven by every, she says this, every medical expert says it's a hundred percent safe. I go, that's not true of anything, anything. Even toothpaste has nine out of 10 dentists to prove it. You never get 10 out of 10. There's no way that can be a factual statement. And like your first red flag should be anytime anybody tells you anything is a hundred percent. It's just not clinically possible to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it is true because I thought about asking somebody. How did they never get ten out of ten dentists? Honestly, that's a good question. <laughs> Although ten out of ten is not that many. I mean, it's ten dentists. Right? Seems like you could do it, but yeah. they always like nine out of ten. Right? Pay them off. Right? Lobby. <laughs> Seriously, give them some money. Maybe it just seems too fake. Well, I thought about asking somebody recently, like, "Hey, man, did you get vaccinated? And if, if so, which one did you get?" Mm-hmm. And then I felt like it was kind of like, hey, man, who'd you vote for? You know, I was like, I felt like it was that sensitive of a question. Oh, yeah. And I specifically am like, I don't, I, I feel like that too, where it's more like I, I'm willing to have the argument, but I'm also, I feel a little bit like, well, I don't want to tell you because. Yeah, maybe I, I have or maybe I haven't. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Yeah. Like, yeah. because. Maybe I got the one that's going to kill you. Maybe I got the one that changes your DNA. I don't know. We don't know. Right. right. 
We don't know. Well, Just I heard guess. there's like I heard there's like a a Russian like there's a black market vaccine. Is the, no, is there like only two in America, and then there's like other countries have other ones, or is the Pfizer yeah. and Moderna there's one three everywhere in America? Pfizer, Pfizer, Moderna, and then um, Johnson Johnson. But then, like in Japan, there was a contamination, and I don't know which one, and people mm. were dying. Oh wow! So they had to, like stop production on it. So you get something like that. I think there was a different one in Russia, too. And I don't know what the contamination was, and maybe it's a Japanese problem and it wasn't anything to do with America, right? But it doesn't matter. People are dying, and you go, whoa, hold on. And then you get people that are cautious. People can be cautious. Yeah. Like, why do we have to be drilling them and so mad at them for not doing it? Right. But, you know, in fairness, like, as covid hits closer and closer to home, I mean, I know a good amount of people who have had covid and nothing Barely even felt like a cold. Hmm. But then I've heard of other people who I was like, they had a really bad time with it. And I was, it was kind of scary. And I go, which is worse? You know, the risk of being one of those people who gets COVID and has a really tough time, possibly dies or getting a vaccine and possibly being one of those people who has a really bad reaction. Can't somebody just weigh that? I didn't mean to get on this topic Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we were talking about economics and I'm sure this plays into it somehow, but, and maybe this is a different episode, but check this out. Cornell. The college may have heard of it. 95% of the population of Cornell has been vaccinated. That's a large percentage. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They have five times more COVID cases than they did this time last year. Mm. Five times more COVID cases. And they said most of them, uh, 95% of the campus is is vaccinated and most of them are coming. They said out of the 5% that aren't Uh vaccinated, those aren't the ones getting COVID. Wow. Yeah. So then you go, wow, that's, that's a case study right in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. Where I mean, are all these case studies for these vac? Like, why aren't we producing those well, I think rapidly? There are, I, I think there are. I think it's just people are interpreting the results differently and propagating information incorrectly or their version of correct, maybe. But similarly, I think I saw a study the other day that said um, some really high number of people in Israel are vaccinated and they've got some of the worst. They And they're going on their fourth they yeah. not third but they want to introduce a fourth shot but then but then it was like a nordic country i don't remember if it was like maybe it was like sweden has like one of the lowest vaccination rates right and they have the lowest covid cases i don't feel like we should use sweden for anything though yeah that's I, true. I feel like sweden is not fair because sweden is the most racist country i know mm-hmm. out of any other country ever we'll call them homogenous Okay. They like well, to keep everything the same. The they do. white people. <laughs> right. And they only let you immigrate if... No, you have to prove that you're Swedish to be a resident of Sweden. Like, they are like they are 100% white, aren't they? I don't know about 100%, but pretty dang close. That's one of the reasons that you have to throw those Nordic countries out in a lot of these case studies is because they are literally like a homogenous country. Like, they're all the same. So there's no diversity in, in any way. Right. Yeah. And then people like to use one-off stupid arguments with them. Freaking throw Sweden out of there. Let me ask you this. Getting back to it a little bit. What did you know about economics prior to various conversations, say, with me? Well, well I think... And the, do you think you were an average person in terms of, like, your knowledge of? I don't think I'm an average person at anything. Okay. Low I like average? Think, no. Oh, false. okay. That was a weird away. turn. I'm definitely above average in most things. So Mostly that's where, in your opinion of yourself. Right. That's where I would have put myself. You asked where I thought I was. Gotcha. And I would have put myself above average. But I do think, commonsensically, I think above average. Because that that common phrase, common sense, isn't so common. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I do have a good sense of common sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
economics, a free market makes sense to me. Um, you know, you can open up a business, pretty much do anything in the United States, um, and then, and, and be prosperous or at least have the opportunity to be right. That's what, Mm -hmm. that's how I viewed America. And then as I've grown up in the business world and I've realized, Oh, well there's some red tape to it. Mm -hmm. And then you go, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of red tape to it. And Mm -hmm. I go, why is there so much red tape Mm -hmm. to business? And then I do understand that there's a fine line because I brought this up before with the farmer's market, you pay to be in the farmer's market, but the people that are sitting outside of it, kind of cheating or mm-hmm. paying to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there, it does need to be some red tape. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of red tape and the more you can simplify things, I feel like the better it is. So I, I do feel like I've had a, a decent grasp on economics, but I've never understood like the different terminologies, which, you know, you, you introduced a few here. Um, those do make me think a little bit more cause I go, some of those things make sense to me where you go, Oh, let's have the government step in to help us boost the economy when we're bad. Cause I don't want us to be bad. I don't want us to go through a recession. And even though I am probably a, I would love to be, I'm not, I'm not, but I'd love to be a poster child for capitalism and say, let's just be a hundred percent capitalist. And then you tell me that idea and I go, well, I could, I could bite off on that. Let's go ahead and help the economy when we're down. Cause we don't want to be in the great depression. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's at least like, Mm-hmm. keep us above water there but that's a that's a dangerous that's a great really hard caused by the government by the way what great depression was caused by the government by the way how so uh because they enacted some really well in simple terms they took what would have been in essence a mild downturn in the economy and they exacerbated it into a full-blown depression and it lasted like a bunch of years that didn't explain to me at all. How uh, well, one of the things is they decided that, hey, we're going to protect our economy from competition. So they put, in essence, like a uh, huge, like 100% trade um, barriers on incoming imports because they're like, no, we're going through a bad time. We're going to stop foreign competition from coming in. And it, in essence, like wrecked the economy. Um, that's just one one of the ways we could we could do a whole podcast on that and the 08 housing crisis also caused by the government the what 08 housing crisis yeah i would love to know. well we all saw the big short so yeah maybe it was a good Is movie not enough i it was enough for me okay it was I, good. yeah let's dive into the great depression let's dive into 08 and then what's soon to be the big collapse yeah the dollar up. collapse the dollar bust so I guess my question was this. So you were above average, a.k.a. below average, mediocre. Um, people who say I'm really Turbine smart, so I have weird. good common sense, that's usually a red flag that I go, oh, okay, gotcha, wink, wink. Um, huh. Which is so many offensive things you a little bit. Go ahead. But I think you, you're right. You had uh, an economic common sense, but not a lot of people do. And I guess, how important is that knowledge to you? Like, what what little we've shared over time, how how much of what I have told you, which is... So that's I, a great question, because I... I think and I know it, nothing, by the way. Like, you could read two books, and it would be way more enlightening than anything I've said. But well, so that's kids very humble know. of you. Nice job. I don't think that's true. I, I think it's... I can't express how important it is. One, our kids should be learning it in school. Mm-hmm. 100%. They need to be learning fundamental economics and they should understand I think the differences and in, in some of the economic platforms one of the things that I think is like a danger to us is uh, you know we're all kind-hearted people so we feel like 
we do want to help. We do want to help people. So the, the socialist platform is really easy to fall into. It's attractive. It is attractive. And then I think the industry that you go into. So, okay. There's a couple different things here. Personality based and the industry that you go into, right? So there's some people that are just really driven competitive type people, right? And those people, you know, not all of them, but they, they do like the commission sales attractive mm-hmm. world where you're like, I just want, because I want to be in control of my paycheck. I don't want, if you're going to pay me three grand a month and there's nothing I can do about it, I, I don't like that. Right. There's, mm-hmm. there's a good handful of people that want to be in control of their own paycheck and say, well, what can I do to make this more? Well, you can perform better. If you perform better, you get paid more money. Mm-hmm. Then there's the state jobs that just have a flat dollar amount mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what you do. You can just, I mean, you can feel better about yourself, right? Cause you're teaching kids or, mm-hmm. you know, you're putting people in prison or whatever. You're making the streets clean, safer, whatever it is, or you're putting out fires, whatever it is, uh, you, you can make yourself feel better, but you can't do anything about your paycheck. And then I feel like if you take a state job, it's easier to fall into some of those, some of those, uh, ideal ideologies of the Keynesian economics, Mm -hmm. because you're going, well, this is where I fit and every job is necessary. So then we do need to help everybody out. It does become a little bit more socialist Mm -hmm. in that aspect, where if you're in the private sector and you're like, I have to fight for every dollar that I make, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're on the other end of the spectrum. So a little bit of where you go in your industry determines Mm -hmm. that, right? Yeah. Well, I guess then the, the, a good question would be, why do you think so many big corporations are so woke? How does that play into it? Because in essence, being woke means, uh, you know, you want government intervention and social justice and all of that, but yet they're also private sectors. So that's always baffled me a little bit. Like at what point did it's like the two trees grew apart, but then at the top they grew back together again. Yeah, that, that I would have loved to pose that question to you because I do feel like that happens. I feel like you get so big. You forget where the money comes from. Yeah. You know, you're Nike and it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to make money. So yeah. you, you have the ability to waste something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can be philanthropic. You can give money away, but you can also be very liberal and fight for, you know, ridiculous minimum wages and, and mm-hmm. that, cor- that sort of thing. Cause it doesn't affect you cause you're going to be profitable no matter what. Same mm-hmm. thing with Amazon, but you have to be that big. We know. Uh, or you might know better how much of our economy depends on the small to mid-size business. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but I, I know that one startling fact that seems to like people don't understand is that not one single government program, government employee, PERS benefit, government benefit, pension, anything got created from the government. It all 100% came off the backs of private economy. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what percentage, it's like, I know that a hundred percent of their funds came from private businesses, which that's scary to think about right. just in and of itself. But also, you know, I mean, I, one conclusion that I have come to in regard to that with corporations and why they choose to get in bed with government, because government is like the antithesis of business. Like you don't, you want less government if you're a business and you think the bigger you get, the more you'd want less of it. But you get into that murky world of like crony capitalism where if you're a firm and you've got $5 billion to spend on either researching and developing a new product to bring to market to compete, 
or to pay a bunch of lawyers to go to Wall or not Wall Street to Washington to get lobby and legislation to protect you from other businesses, your money's better spent doing that. So in essence, you feed the beast by saying, I don't want to spend money on new products and innovation. I'd rather just pay these lawyers to go get a bunch of protection so I don't have to compete with everybody, you know, like China or foreign cars, foreign countries, foreign businesses. Uh, and that is a logical thing to do, but it grows government size. I did hear this, by the way, on the radio, and I don't know how this plays into it, but Russia and China just independently discovered oil in their countries, hmm. making them very self-sufficient in a lot of ways. Isn't that true of us, too? Like, don't we have the ability to be... We do, but we, we still get it from other... But we were, right? When, wasn't that the big claim to fame with Trump was that he basically yeah. made us, like, fossil fuel? We don't even buy a lot from the Middle East. We used to buy it from, like, Venezuela and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't hear that about China and Russia. It doesn't surprise me. They're huge. Right. I mean, it seems like it's be <laughs> if you're a big enough country, you're going to find oil somewhere. Go probe for it. Right. If Venezuela has it and they're not as big as us and China and Russia's got to have it somewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, so would you be in support of a country being more independent and not, um, what do you call it, uh, dependent on other other trade in, from other countries? No. I, I think... Um, I think we're better off being completely free trading partners with the entire world. Hmm. I think that that's where we should be. I think that's where prosperity reigns. And I think that's why if you go back a hundred years, like one of the reasons everything was so much more expensive and the quality of life was so low is because we didn't trade with other countries, partly because it wasn't feasible. And also it was like frowned upon. And if you were going to take one thing right now and say, Hey, this is Aaron economics. And what would you change? Uh, I would cut a lot of entitlement programs. What does that mean? Like, you know, like one of the big ones, for example, is social security. Um, yeah, it's and, about to run out. Yeah. And then we're now you, going into debt. We're now you, depleting it. You've heard that it's like a Ponzi scheme in essence, because it's like you contribute very little and you get basically a lifetime of earnings in return or, or, you mm -hmm. know, your old age earnings. Uh, so entitlement programs like that, like that would be one. You would that, just eliminate those. I wouldn't eliminate them, but I would reduce their size significantly. I'd restructure them for sure. Okay. Um, I would basically undo everything the Federal Reserve does, like lowering interest rates artificially. You'd start raising them. I would just say get out of it and let the free market dictate interest rates. That would be another thing. Hmm. Which again, it wouldn't be popular. This is why I can never be a politician because it's basically political suicide to do any of this. Because if you start messing with, uh, isn't that garbage though? Isn't that stupid? Like whatever is, whatever's right, you feel like you have to you have to try to pander to people. Yeah, dude, it's, they're called PACs, dude. Political action groups and like the what is it? The AARP, retired people one. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the biggest and most active voting blocks in America. So they have so much power. That's why social security as this big leech of an entitlement program, it doesn't get fixed. Even though probably every politician as smart as they are knows it's a huge issue and they don't know what they're going to do about it. Are you but excited about next week, by the way? What's next week? Gavin Newsom in California. Episode 51. Episode 51. Dude, Gavin Newsom I am. I'm super is, excited. is up for recall. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up. You don't think he's going to be recalled? That would be almost as silly as uh, some bozo that I know who said uh, one of the three Western states is going to flip red. Okay. I love this because I can't. It's not going to happen. Okay. So you think it's not going to happen. You I don't would... think Gavin Newsom is going to 
be recalled. No, because you heard like when COVID, uh, they called, uh, what's that, uh, what's his name? Elder. Larry um, Elder. Huh? Larry Elder. Larry Elder. They called, he's a black dude. Well, he, he's a white supremacist. But they called him a white supremacist. Yeah. This we is talked how, about that last week. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's how like bold they are at their tactic. They I just know. don't care. So are you excited for next week? I'm excited, and I have a, like a two percent hope that something miraculous could happen. You are the worst, but 2%. I realistically just I, go. I really think that, I think he's going to get recalled, dude. Because like you the, don't put something on it. The COVID thing came right back out during the, the middle of his recall, so it was like all of a sudden mail in balloting again. And yeah, it's mail- like, yeah, so you think it's oh well? Okay, let me ask you this: Do you think it's going to be rigged? Yes. Or, okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like I wouldn't be a wow. bit surprised that I mean because it's not like. I mean, Larry Elder is pretty right wing, but he's kind of that common sense right wing. Like, and I think Californians are in a position more than anybody to go, listen, we're liberal and we want liberal policies, but this place is turning into far. a dump. Yeah. So we need help. You know what the average home price is? In California? Yeah. I mean, I... This is what I heard on the radio. 800000 I was going to say six, seven, maybe. How do you afford a mortgage payment at $800,000? But you know what's crazy though is like imagine even when I started working for our company, and I said, "Marshall, here's five hundred thousand dollars." You'd be like, "I could buy the biggest house <laughs> in Oregon," yeah. and now you're like mediocre house, right? But that's not we're not in eight hundred thousand dollar territory. But I mean, we've gotten where we are really quickly. Yeah, I mean, we've escalated like you, a couple like when thousand. you were younger, whatever age that was, and you go, dude. I own a ha- I own a quarter million dollar home. I know when you put things in the mm-hmm. that would feel pretty cool, right? I own a half a million dollar home. Mm-hmm. That would feel really good, right? Mm-hmm. If you owned a million dollar home, wouldn't you feel like just the richest person ever? Yeah, and similarly, there was a guy who I met recently who I just saw his information and was like, "Oh, this guy's a CEO. He makes a lot of money." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm moving. Put my house up for sale. I'm going to move to Florida or something like that." And I was like, "Oh, cool." So I zillowed his house, and it was like. One point one million dollars, and strangely, that was just not that impressive to me. I go, oh, it seems like <laughs> it's just, you, like did you ever two of the, my house value. Did you ever watch the movie Blank Check? Yeah, yeah, where he gets the check for a million dollars, and yeah. it went so far. Yes, yeah, and now he bought a house plus all the other stuff to go with it. He had like a limo driver and everything, and now you're like, a ah, million dollars would go a long way, but you know yeah. who Ted Turner is? Yeah, okay, I think he. What was it? He owned the news station, right? I don't know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And a wrestling something rather. Yeah. So he's like this mogul guy who's rich and he his heyday was probably I don't know, I would guess the eighties, maybe early nineties. And one of his famous quotes or famous things he said was it was like if a person just spent flat out for their entire life frivolously on consumption goods, they would be hard pressed to spend more than four hundred and fifty million dollars in their life. And I was like, I wonder if that would be true now. I feel like I could spend four hundred and fifty million dollars. Oh yeah. Like no problem. You know what I would spend it on? A house? Uh-uh. What? I'd have so many cars. Oh, uh, yeah. Or I'd have like four. I don't know. I, I feel like the more money over my life I made, the more I realize I have a definitely a plateau point where I'm like, I don't need to keep buying cooler stuff. I'm not that interested in the cooler stuff. I'm not. Yeah. You can't yeah. take it with you. Can't no. take it with I you. Just, you just want to enjoy the things you have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, let's... Let's wrap this up. What yeah. what should our next episode be about? Because I'm I'm thinking, you know, you're criticizing me for my Instagram. I'm gonna put a poll up. I'm gonna ask what we're gonna what we should talk about. Should we talk about vaccines, or should we talk about like can't take it with you? So you're gonna do a poll of like, is it this or that? 
Yeah, or yeah. I could do anything. I don't no, know. You, you should do this or that because I feel like all two hundred of our listeners would be like it'd be two hundred different answers. Okay, we wouldn't get anything out of it. I don't know. But I feel like vaccines is like a little meh. Everyone, it's the, all anybody ever talks. I about. just, you know what? I would talk about vaccines if I had somebody that was pro vaccine on here to tell me why that we should mandate it to everybody. Because hmm. if I had that person on here, I'd love to drill them. People don't like being drilled, though. I'm realizing that. I know. What is with that? Yeah. I get drilled. All the time. I get drilled. Right. And like, how, how strongly do you feel about your ideas if you are anti-drilling? Right? <laughs> you don't want to put them up to the drilling. Right. Well, I really strongly believe, well, kind of. I believe that, but don't just know. don't, don't ask yeah. too many questions. I don't I, want to put that. I'm not in a Let's mood. not tell people that's the, what I think. Or my favorite. That's rude. <laughs> Why are you questioning me like that? I'm yeah. just asking. Private information. Yeah, we should. Pr- I think a poll is a good idea. Although it's odd that we would do it on the fifty-first. That would have seemed like something we would have done for this episode. Well, dude, let me just tell you, you screwed this episode. Did I? How? Because you took a hiatus for a while. Okay, let's and be then we clear. Came back in, and then we had no time to plan for the fiftieth episode. Right. Let's be clear here. I admit I took a lot of time running because I'm on a long run. That's my thing that I'm training for. But you, on the other hand, went on a couple of vacations. So I'll just leave I, that there. That's nothing new, though. That's, you, that's it, it's not. I know. And I haven't reminded everyone you're a one percenter, a bougie one percenter who profited during the pandemic uh, <laughs> in a long time. But they need to know. So when you, he blames me for this, he needs to take ownership. False statements all over the place. Classic rich guy just trying to hold the working class down. Right. I'll hold you down to this. Right. Here's what I will say. I, let's not talk about economics or politics. Let's, here's what okay. we don't talk about. Okay. See if we can do that. All right. I give it three minutes. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll see what we can get away with. Uh, well, thank you for listening. I'm Marshall and this is Aaron and welcome to the Two Opinion Against Podcast. Goodbye. You know, uh, last week I, after we did that, we, like I talked about your running, right? And mm-hmm. I shared that with, I, I put that on the Instagram and I shared that with Rachel and she, she goes, oh, I don't want to listen to your podcast. And I was like, I'm not asking you to listen to our podcast. I'm just asking you to listen to like the last two minutes mm-hmm. where Aaron talks about his running mm-hmm. for a minute. Gosh, dang. Okay. It's, it's all I'm asking you to do to know why we haven't like <laughs> right. broadcast in a while. And then she goes, fine. And she listened and she thought that part was hilarious actually. So yeah, it's like, where, right. where you are an idiot and we're like, well, any normal Joe can run 30 miles. Yeah, right. I got, I, uh, Lynn said the same thing. She's like, you're both, like, you, I can't believe you said that. And I was like, I just really feel like if you've gone out and run anything over five miles, you've probably thought to yourself, I could probably do a lot more than that. If, I mean, you're incorrect, but you right. kind of like falsely think I could go a lot longer. And like, so that was all I meant, but it came across weird. Also, uh, Lynn, weirdly, she went on her Spotify and all of a sudden I was like, I remember making coffee and she was over at the counter over here and I hear, that portion of the podcast and I go, that's the end of it. You listened to the whole thing. Wow. What, what the heck made you listen to our podcast? And then I realized, Oh no, it was just a two minute clip. And she didn't even listen to the whole clip. She, like <laughs> she got bored. Two seconds. And I I'm go, bored oh, of you. I'm back to being like deflated again. Yeah, that's right.